Driving that coach. 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 And welcome to another edition of Dropping That Culture with JD and AJ. I'm JD. And I'm AJ. Cool. And again, welcome to another week here in uh, 2020, uh, getting closer closer to the end of the year. This is actually September 1st as we were recording this, so first of the month. Mm-hmm. Uh, only what, two or three months left in the year, and that'll be the end of 2020, thank God. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this has been the year from hell, man. I, I posted it a couple days ago. This has literally been the worst year of my lifetime. And that's really saying something, considering you served in Iraq. Exactly. This is worse than that shit. Like, because, like, it's not just affecting one region. It's affecting the world. You feel me? Jeremy? Can you hear me? Yeah, you cut out for a second. What was that? I, said, uh, I was saying it's because of the fact that it's not just affecting, you know, one portion of a of a country is affecting the entire world. Like the whole world is feeling this right now. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I'm I will have to apologize real quick to the audience. They uh, can or can't hear that, but uh, apparently it's attack of uh, leaf blowers uh, just past where I'm at. And unfortunately, I don't have anywhere quieter to get. So I'm going to mute in and out to just uh, try to minimize the background noise. Uh, but yeah, absolutely agree with you. It's uh, it's. It's pervasive and it's pretty much everywhere. Although I was traveling uh, a couple weeks ago and I was out in, uh, in Utah and Arizona. And I mean, compared to where we're at here in California or even uh, some of my friends over there in uh, Nevada and Vegas area, that looks a little more like, uh, like we're used to. So hopefully that's a sign of things to come that we're all going to eventually get back to a little something normal. And can't wait until you and I can actually do these things face to face instead of this Zoom crap. Agreed. And totally. anyway, thank you, Zoom. I still appreciate it, even though it's. Not face-to-face. <laughs> uh, you know, even though y'all distorted a couple of minutes, whatever, it's whatever. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, like I said, I still enjoy the process of us getting this podcast out. <laughs> hopefully, um, and hopefully, you know, you know, listening to this, I enjoy it as well. We really enjoy doing this podcast. We love the fact that you guys like to listen to us rant and ramble about pop culture and different things going on in the world. But, like, since we got, we got that out the way, let's go ahead and get into the fun parts that make this uh, podcast fun and enjoyable. So we're going to first start, start out with our first segment, uh, Seven Degrees of Eddie Murphy, where I can connect any major American film star to the great Eddie Murphy within seven minutes. All right. So for this week, uh, I don't really have a theme so much as I just kind of decided to pull some uh, old actors out that, uh, that I haven't seen for a hot minute. Okay. Uh, I'm going to start with Donald Sutherland. Oh, good choice. Uh, Donald Sutherland, uh, that's super easy. Donald Sutherland was in The Art of War with Wesley Snipes. Wesley Snipes was in uh, Dolomite is My Name with Eddie Murphy. I knew it was going to be quick, and I still went with it anyway because I like to see how quick. How fast you can make that jump from Donald. Um, okay, so next we're going to do Sharon Stone, who I'm sure that I know it's one degree away, but we'll see which way you want to go. Okay. You know what? Let's see if you can get there some way aside from Robert De Niro because it's obvious De Niro direct to, to Eddie Murphy. Yeah, okay. I got, I got you. I got you. I'll see. Uh, Sharon Stone. 
Uh, ah, I got this way there. Okay, since you don't want a direct path, let's go this route. Uh, Sharon Stone was in The Specialist with Sylvester Stallone. Sylvester Stallone was in Rocky IV with Brigitte Nielsen. Brigitte Nielsen was in Beverly Hills Cop 2 with Eddie Murphy. All right, all right. I, I dig that. And again, if we can skip, well, yeah, skipping De Niro because he's one of those other guys who's kind of at the center of a lot of stuff. For my yeah. next one, I'm going to throw out for the final one, I would like to see you connect Marlon Brando. To Eddie Murphy? Yep. Okay. Ah, yeah, I thought we did this already. I feel we've done this already. Did we do Marlon? I got, you know what, I need to, I need to cross. One, one of these days I'm going to sit down and I'm going to build out a yeah. sheet to make I, sure. I feel, Let's do it anyway. I feel we've already, yeah. All right. Well, then, uh, you know what? How about William Forsythe? Mm, good choice. Okay. Uh, William Forsythe was in... Ah, okay. I got this route. Uh, William Forsythe was in Injustice for All with uh, Al Pacino. Al Pacino was in... I don't want to go De Niro, so let's go... Um, uh, another route for oh yeah okay uh, Al Pacino was in The Devil's Advocate with uh with Keanu Reeves Keanu Reeves was in The Matrix Reloaded with Jada Pinkett Jada Pinkett was in The Nutty Professor with Eddie Murphy all right yeah that was a, that was a quick one I think I think as we continue to develop this game because unfortunately. So many people have been in so many Robert De Niro flicks, or rather, maybe the other way around, Robert De Niro's been in so many uh, films with people. We might need to pick a couple of different people to kind of prohibit. Like, probably him and Ben, ben Stiller be the top two in terms of just massive number of films. So that way it's yeah. a little more sporting. So otherwise, it's like, boom, boom. You're like, you know, two, two away. So basically, you're trying to trip me up, right? Yeah, I'm trying to make it harder for you. <laughs> I, I want to get back to that level of satisfaction I had when I got you with Mandy Moore in the beginning. You can just keep bringing that shit up, aren't you? <laughs> One of these days, I'm going to throw it back in just to see if you can make the connect. I, I want to see if you've done your homework since then. I have, and I'm fucking, you know what? I'm not going to let that shit happen again. <laughs> do you want to do Mandy Moore today? No, I don't want to do Mandy Moore today because. <laughs> You made me upset right now. It would just, be fun. Just make sure you're prepared. One of these days, I'm going to throw it out there just to see if you uh, if you got that that one connected. I'm sure it connects. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, I found one, Dick. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so those are our three names for today: uh, William Forsythe, uh, Sharon Stone, and uh, was Donald Sutherland. So those are our names for today. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> all right all right so let's go ahead and skip it to our next segment that will be wwbs what would Busey say hey this is gary Busey talking to gary Busey. what time is it gary it's time for wwbs what would Busey say what we're we talking about today gary so gary i know you've done a lot of drugs you've had a lot of psychedelic experiences in your time but i wonder if you've ever had an experience with, I think they call it the, is it the Green Goblin or the Green Imp or something like that? But anyway, it, it's, it's uh, there's something along, along those lines, but when it comes to absinthe, which I believe until recently was illegal in America. So Gary, tell us about absinthe. Oh, 
old friend, absent. <laughs> uh, and just for your correction, it's actually referred to as the Green Fairy. I think that's what you call it. And uh, yeah, I've, I've had many a party with that motherfucker quite a few times, man. He's actually pretty funny, man. He has a very dark sense of humor. Uh, one thing I liked about the Green Fairy is like, uh, you know, he likes to tell like dead baby jokes and shit like that. Really fucked up like humor, man. Like it, it, it's weird, but like we'll go out to a bar, I'll order some absinthe, you know, a uh, couple shots in. Next thing you know, here he comes, fucking Green Fairy. Like, hey, Gary. Like, hey, what's up, Green Fairy? How you doing, man? Like, hey, shit, you know, uh, just chilling, you know, doing my usual thing, you know. And then we'll be in the bar, kind of doing like the guys from like Night of the Roxbury, bobbing their head to the music, you know. And the fairy would like go over and fuck with people because he's like invisible to anybody but me. So it'd be hilarious. <laughs> the Green Fairy is really a great guy to party with, man. And uh, for anybody else who actually has experienced the Green Fairy, I can tell you right this, man. Fairy, no get chased, man. I'll tell you. Green Fairy will do, like, I don't know what it is, maybe Pixie does or some shit. Like, Chase, they usually wouldn't go for me. Like, you know, the Green Fairy will go over there, put some Pixie dust on them real quick, and next thing you know, they're looking at me like, you know, western eyes. Next thing you know, they're coming to me, hey, here's my hotel, here's my hotel key, you know, meet me in five minutes, that kind of thing. So I owe a lot to the Green Fairy, man. The Green Fairy is my favorite invisible pussy getter, man. I love the Green Fairy. But I actually haven't seen Green Fairy in a couple of years, man. It would maybe be cool for us to have kind of a reunion. That'd be great, man. Ooh. Tiger blood. Yeah, that was great, Gary. How you doing today, Gary? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. I'm Gary Busey. I'm doing great. I didn't realize the Green Fairy was such a ladies' man. Yeah, apparently the Green Fairy gets pushed Gary Busey. With pixie dust. I mean, you can't argue with the man's success. He's done well for himself over the years. <laughs> I can't believe the, the Green Fairy tells dead baby jokes. He's sick motherfucker. You know? <laughs> well, I mean, it, it, it's a fairy and a green fairy. I mean, it, it's going to have a fucked up sense of humor if it hangs out with Gary Busey. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> true. <laughs> I've never seen the Green Fairy. Have you ever seen the Green Fairy? No, uh, I, won't, I, I won't comment on that. <laughs> All right, didn't, didn't mean to put your shit in the street. Never mind. Moving on. <laughs> All right, so uh, <laughs> uh, we always have a more. You know, you know what we should do for the Garys because I always come up with some. Well, Gary always comes up with a line that's like I don't know, like I don't know where it comes from, but it just makes me laugh. Yeah. Uh, but like, uh, so the moral of the story is from Gary is the Green Fairy is a great pussy getter. Yes. Yes, he is. Right. You know, just like the other ones we had, like, you know, like, uh, what's the shit? The, uh, there's a fine line between uh, sexual assault and scientific curiosity. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, what's the other one? Uh, don't, eat fish. don't eat fish because it might cause a war with Atlantis. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, it would be fun at some point. We could do like a, a compilation of them. And then maybe uh, maybe if we can uh, get someone to help us with animation, we could do an animated one. Like you remember back in the day on Comedy Central, they used to yeah. take in stand-up routines and then they'd animate just like the story ones people would tell. Yeah, I would love to do that. Doing that with Gary Busey would be a hell of a lot of fun. Oh yeah, That'd be he does some crazy psychedelic shit. The lizard people ones, one of my favorites still. Like the lizard people too. Yeah, that was good. 
<laughs> him getting his his lizard bitch. <laughs> Gary, his lizard bitch. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, so <laughs> well, with that highbrow comment, maybe it's time for Mr. Roger Moore. I was just about to say that. Let's go ahead and ra- uh, raise the, uh, the humor here in terms of like its uh, elegantness. So let's go ahead and go with uh, Mr. Roger Moore. What rap song does Roger have for us? This? Good evening, I'm Roger Moore. You may remember me from my time as Bond, James Bond. And I once exchanged bodily fluids with Louis Jordan. This is not so much a commentary as it were, it's more of a one-sided conversation as I cannot talk to you and you cannot talk to me. And now for another edition of Roger Reed's Rap. What is our selection for this evening? For this week's selection, I've chosen a very wonderful group called Gucci Crew Number 2 with their song, Sally. That girl. <clears throat> First stanza. One, two, three, and I woke up early this morning and I went to the five and die. I saw this pretty young lady and thought she was really fine. I tapped her on the shoulder and said, hmm, excuse me, ma'am. She pulled down her pants and said, spank these halves. Oh, hello, Sally, that girl. Oh, hello, Sally, that girl. So we talked to her house as she opened up the door. It was a hard-shaped bed in the middle of the floor. She pushed me on the bed and this, you can bet, in between her legs was real, real wet. Oh my God. So I grabbed her by her thighs and moved up truly. She jumped off the bed and said, don't touch my booty. Hmm. Don't touch my booty, cause I won't touch you. Don't touch my booty, this is not the thing to do. Oh, Sally, that girl. Oh, Sally, that girl. So we bailed out of our house just to get something to eat. We saw her friend Patty walking down the street. Patty turned around and yelled her name. She dropped to her knees and then she began to sing. Oh, Sally, that girl. Oh, Sally, that girl. Sally is a girl that loves to play, but if you want some loving, Sally is okay. She has a different fella every day of the week, two or maybe three, just to make it sweet. Sally wants a man she can call her own, and six, seven, eight hundred she can call you on the phone. Sally is never tired, and she's never alone. All Sally wants is a fellow with a. Wow. Thank you. 
Thank you very much for this election this week. I'm really, really drunk right now. And this has been another episode of Roger Reed's Rap. I am drunk. Dude, Roger was shit-faced. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was. <laughs> when he hits the... Whoa. Uh, Sally, that girl. <laughs> I, was just, I was just thankful he would never get to... Whoa. So, yeah, yeah. We, I was worried we'd get with cough vomit sounds. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Roger will come up with some next time. <laughs> he just seems to get drunker and drunker. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. But you know what? He's James Bond. He earned it. Plus, he's been gone for a few years. So, yeah, yeah exactly. So, like, live. Come on board. Long live Roger Moore. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So, let's go ahead and get into uh, which is actually going to be a little double segment this week. We're going to be dropping that news which is also going to be our deep dive this week because uh, mainly the main... It's going to be uh, our news potato, right? So what? It's our news potato. Yeah. Dropping that news. Potato. Uh, so the main subject uh, uh, in the entertainment world now will be the passing of uh, Chadwick Boseman. Uh, best known as uh, the Black Panther for the MCU. The actor died uh, a few days ago uh, battling cancer at the age of 53. And the craziest part about the whole get down that I read is that apparently he was diagnosed in 2016. So he's actually been fighting cancer for four years and doing Black Panther and all these other movies. Wow, that's happening, which is amazing to me that he was able with that. Uh, but yeah, like I said, because of uh, the outpouring from the Hollywood community in terms of uh, Chadwick Boseman's death, it's really hit a lot of people hard, very mm-hmm. hard, because of the fact he was uh, such a beloved actor uh, for a very, sh- very, really short amount of time. He, like he was his first movie that when he broke out was in 2013, only seven years ago. You know what I'm saying? And of course, that was uh, him playing uh, the late Jackie Robinson in the movie 42, alongside uh, Harrison Ford. Uh, like I said, and he's gone on to kind of be the guy to uh, play different uh, black icons in the black community to you know perfection, really. Uh, next up after that would be uh, you know get on up where he played James Brown in 2014, and then the most recent one before Black Panther was uh, well after Black Panther. Was a uh, him playing uh, Thurgood Marshall, uh, Supreme Court Justice Thurgood Marshall, or Ian Marshall, directed by Reggie Hutt. Um, but yeah, like I said, uh, his death has really hit a lot of people hard. Particularly, he's a co-stars in the MCU. He did a lot of uh, different tributes over these last weekend uh, in terms to uh, like how they felt with Chadwick. Uh, how it was to work with him, um, how it was to, uh, you know, uh, be with him, and they all, how, how much they admired his work and things of that nature. Um, it was really crazy. It was like crazy to see because, like, uh, uh, it just hit. It just hit everybody out the blue, man. Like, freaking, like, I remember I got a text message from like one of my buddies, like, "Hey, man, Black Panther's dead." Like, what the 
the fuck are you talking about? And then I looked online, I was like, yeah, Chadwick Boseman dies of four fifth. Wow, what the, where did this come from? You, I was gonna say, did, did you even have any idea? I don't remember seeing or hearing anything in the press that he was battling anything. It's just kind of came out of the blue. No, he didn't uh, publicly announce it. Uh, it was just a thing he was going through. Like, he kind of kept it to himself and to his family and shit. He did it a lot, that not that I noticed it, because he got married too. And a lot of people know he was married uh, because he just didn't put that shit out there. It's like, you know, he, he figured, you know, hey, this is, you know, my life is one thing, my profession is another, that kind of thing. Uh, but uh, yeah, like I said, battling for four years, basically his entire time as Black Panther, he had cancer and nobody knew about it, except for the actual MCU people. Apparently he told them. And um, yeah, so it's crazy. Like, I actually have, I'm looking up now, I actually have a couple of the tributes that were done by the MCU people uh, about Chadwick. Um, this first one is from Robert Downey Jr. <clears throat> Mr. Bozeman leveled the playing field while fighting for his life. That's heroism. I'll remember the good times, the laughter, and the way he changed the game. Hashtag Chadwick forever. Next one is from Chris Evans, um, Captain America. I'm absolutely devastated. Uh, this is beyond heartbreaking. Chadwick was special a true original. He was a deeply committed and constantly curious artist. Few performers have such power and versatility. He is, <clears throat> me, he has such amazing work still left to create. I'm endlessly grateful for our relationship. Uh, my thoughts and prayers with his family, rest of power king. Uh, next one is from Chris Hemsworth, that I'm uh, absolutely family. Rest in peace. Hey, can you uh, uh can you repeat that last one real quick? Yeah, it kind of cut out there for a half second. Can you repeat oh. that last one? Yeah. Uh the next one is from Chris Hemsworth. Gonna miss you, mate. Absolutely heartbreaking. One of the kindest, most genuine people I've met. Sending love and support to all the family. Rest in peace, Chadwick Boseman. And the uh, next one I have here is from uh, Mark Ruffalo, the Hulk. Uh, all I have to say is the tragedy lesson this year has been made more profound by the loss of Chadwick Boseman. What a man and what an immense talent. Brother, you are one of the all-time greats. Your greatness was only beginning. Lord, love you. Rest in power, King. Uh, this one's from Brie Larson, Captain Marvel. Chad was someone who radiated power and peace, who stood for so much more than self, who took the time to really see how you were doing and gave words of encouragement when you felt unsure. I'm honored to have the memories I have, the conversations, the laughter. My heart is with you and your family. You will be missed and never forgotten. Rest in power and peace, my friend. Uh, last one's from uh, Spider-Man, Tom Holland. Chadwick, you even more than a hero of Squad. A role model not only to me on set, but to millions of others around the world. You brought joy and happiness to so many, and I am proud to have been able to call you a friend. Rest in peace, Chadwick. 
So yeah, man, the freaking uh, MCU's uh, hit hard by the uh, loss of Chadwick Boseman, as well as pretty much the acting world in general. Uh, of course, you have other ones of uh, different tributes from like uh, people that he worked with, like uh, Ryan Coogler and Angela Bassett, uh, Michael B. Jordan, all of whom worked with him on Black Panther. Uh, let's see if I can find the. Uh, let's see if I can find the uh, uh, Angela Bassett one. That one was really. While you're looking for that, um, one of the things I was going to say that I, I think um, kind of is, is worth worth noting that in terms of uniqueness of him as an actor, right? You know, so there's, it's one of those things I think you and I have talked about a few times. There's a thing that um, you kind of run into sometimes with some performers. For whatever reason, they decide that, you know, they have to um, start taking, for lack of a better term, you know, um, a public stand, right? So their, their personal... That, that I'm trying to think of the right way to describe it, is that the suspension of disbelief, let's, let's start there. So the suspension of disbelief that you need to have as an audience member watching any, uh, any show, whatever it is, even something as simple as something like Sling Blade, where there's like almost, you know, no suspension of disbelief required. It's very simple. It's set in very accessible and kind of understandable, uh, you know, terms in terms of the world versus something like, you know, the Black Panther where you have all of these additional sci-fi elements that are rolling into it, it like any MCU thing. Um, there's something to be said for how challenging it can be already for the audience to be able to make that jump. And just as we're talking about how, you know, he, he kept his personal life um, so quiet, you know, he wasn't somebody who was out there seeking the additional attention in the, in the tabloids or anything else, building a public persona. He was like a true artist, you know what I mean, in terms of sticking to that. Um, and it's something, you know, one of the only other people I could think of who, of course, he passed away a few years back as well. In recent times, it really did this was uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, where they, they shied away from anything that would be in the public eye aside from performance. Um, they didn't really kind of push to, to put their social life out there, to put their personal opinions about a ton of stuff out there. They, they, they made sure to maintain as much of an air of mystery and, and kind of, um, you know, well, for, you know, for lack of a better word, it's, it's almost a blank slate in terms of what the audience has coming into a show. Um, mm -hmm. Ultimately, I mean, it's one of those things that I, I just feel like, you know, it's, it's so rare to find an actor nowadays, uh, to find any kind of a performer nowadays who really just sticks to the art and is so passionate about the art, understands what an asset that can be to them in telling these stories. Because, I mean, obviously, like, you look at, at the, the body of work that he was able to put out there, there's no doubt, like, he was a, he was a civil rights guy. I mean, you doing Jackie Robinson, I mean, talking about some of the most intense, crazy racism our country had ever experienced and what that was like for Jackie and Jackie breaking down those walls, those whole things. Because uh, Chadwick kind of eschewed the limelight because he was more about, hey, when I'm performing, I'm out there. When I'm not performing, I'm just, you know, it's me and my personal life. That allows him... I think in a lot of ways, be able to reach more people because nobody's coming into it with a preconceived notion. Nobody's really thinking about, oh, did you see this and that tabloid or whatever? Um, and so I just feel like that's one of those things that uh, I think is probably going to get overlooked as everybody's talking about him that I think is a very unique thing that um, was just something else that added to, you know, his, his tool chest as he came out. And that's part of, I think, what allowed him to be so effective in all the stories he told was that, uh, for the vast majority of the audience, they didn't know what to expect. And because they didn't know what to expect, because like you and I, I get to kind of put it in slightly different terms. Remember when we talked about um, uh, Batman Forever and we're watching 
Um, oh shit, his, my, his name just flew out of my head. Uh, Batman. Why am I blanking on? Val Kilmer? No, 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 in Batman Forever. Batman, Batman was uh, Val Kilmer. In Batman Forever? Yeah. You thinking of Batman or Robin, George Clooney? George Clooney, that's what it was. I thought, I thought that, um, oh, that's right, it was Val. Yeah, 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 Val, because I was going, anyway. Yeah, but anyway, it was like George Clooney. Like, we talked about George Clooney. Val Kilmer a little bit, but definitely George Clooney. He was watching George Clooney play Batman, right? Like, you kind of had that stamp of this is George Clooney on it, right? Yes. Just to stay on point. Whereas the, the, the great thing about, I think, with Chadwick, when he went in and he decided, hey, I'm going to be Jackie Robinson, for everybody in the audience, he was Jackie Robinson. Yes, he was. All right, I, got, I apologize to everyone. I totally blew the hell out of my point right there when I, when I was getting mixed up on my Batmans for a second. No, no that's cool, man. You, you, you got right to this. I'm, I'm, sh- I'm shaking up, man. I miss Chadwick. I liked him. He was a good actor. Me too, man. I actually found uh, the ones that were really the most profound ones were from his uh, co-stars from Black Panther. Um, particularly uh, the ones that were closest to him in that movie. Uh, so first off, I have a quote here from uh, Denai uh, Daria, uh, who played Okoye. Uh, How do you honor a king? Reeling from the loss of my colleague, my friend, and my brother. Struggling for words. Nothing feels adequate. I've always marveled at how special Chadwick was, such a pure-hearted, profoundly generous, regal, fun guy. My entire job as a Koye was to respect and protect the king, honor his leadership. Uh, Chadwick made the job profoundly easy. He was the epitome of kindness, elegance, diligence, and grace. On many an occasion, I would think how thankful I was that he was the leading man I was working closely with a true class act, and so perfectly equipped to take on the responsibility of leading the franchise that saved, that changed everything for black representation. He made everyone feel loved, heard, and seen. He played great iconic roles because he possessed something inside of himself, that connection to greatness, to be able to richly bring them to life. He had a heroic spirit and marched to, his own, to the beat of his own drum. Hence his excellence as an artist and the incredible courage and determination he faced in life's challenges while still guiding us all. He was zen and sweet and funny with the very best laugh, attentive and truly, truly good. I can't even wrap my mind around this loss, a loss resonating in my own heart as well as around the globe. Children he inspired, a heart aches for them to lose their hero just as they found him. I'm thankful to have taken the Black Panther journey with him, to have known him, spend time in, to spend time in his light and leadership, and to call him forever a friend. Yeah. Uh, next one I have for him is uh, from uh, Angela Bassett, who played uh, his mother in the movie, Ramonda. Uh, it was meant to be for Chadwick and me to be connected, for us to be family. But what many don't know is our story began long before his historic turn as Black Panther. During the premiere party for Black Panther, Chadwick reminded me of something. He whispered that I received my honorary degree from Howard University, his alma mater. He was, a stu- he was the student assigned to escort me during that day. And here we are, years later, as friends and colleagues, enjoying the most glorious night ever. We spent weeks prepping, working, 
sitting next to each other every morning in makeup chairs, preparing for the day together as mother and son. I'm honored that we enjoyed that full circle experience. This young man's dedication was awe-inspiring. His smile, contagious, his talent, unreal. So I pay tribute to a beautiful spirit, a consummate artist, a soulful brother. And she has a quote here, thou art, uh, thou art not dead, but flown afar. All you possessed, Chadwick, you truly gave. Rest now, sweet prince, hashtag Wakanda forever. Magelo Bassett. Uh, one of his other co-stars in that movie, uh, well, well, he's in the movie, but they didn't really have a scene together, was uh, Sterling K. Brown. Uh, he just says, uh, take care of your brother. Your time was short. Your light was exceptionally bright. Thank you for shining always. Uh, and the last one is from uh, Mahershala Ali, uh, who is joining the MCU as Blade. Uh, rest, uh, Peace King, thank you for your extraordinary work, your exemplary character and leadership. Love you, brother. Uh, the next two I have here are actually longer than usual because of the fact they come from really the two people that kind of he, he uh, knew the most during the whole experience of Black Panther, and that would be Michael B. Jordan, who played Killmonger, who was the villain of, uh, of Black Panther, and of course the film's writer and director, Ryan Coogler. Uh, the first one I have here is from, my, uh, from Michael B. Jordan. I've been trying to find the words, but nothing comes close to how I feel. I've been reflecting on every moment, every conversation, every laugh, every disagreement, every hug, everything. I wish we had more time. One of the last times we spoke, you said we were forever linked. And now the truth of that means more to me than ever before. Ever since, uh, since nearly the beginning of my career, starting with all my children when I was 16 years old, you paved the way for me. You showed me how to be better, honor purpose and create legacy. Whether you were known it or not, I've been watching, learning, and constantly motivated by your greatness. I wish we had more time. Everything you did in the world, the legends and heroes you've shown us we are, will live up forever. And the thing that hurts the most is that you are Hey, just, uh, just real quick, we might need you to uh, to adjust there. You uh, you kind of went robot on us again. We lost you there in the middle of that one. Do we start over again? I go. I go to the top. I think. I think if you want to go for the part where he was talking about from uh, about them being forever linked. Okay. Just grab it. All right, we'll go there. Okay. Cool. All right, so uh, start thing you said before that. Okay. <clears throat> I wish we had more time. One of the last times we spoke, you said we were forever linked. And now the truth of that means more to me than ever. Since nearly the beginning of my career, starting with all my children when, you were, when I was 16 years old, you paved the way for me. You showed me how to be better, honor purpose, and create legacy. Whether you've known it or not, I've been watching, learning, and constantly motivated by your greatness. I wish we had more time. Everything you've given the world, the legends and heroes you, that you've shown us we are, will live on forever. And the thing that hurts the most is now that now I understand how much of a legend and hero you are. Through it all, you never lost sight of what you love the most. You cared about your family, your friends, 
your craft, your spirit. You cared about the kids, the community, our culture and humanity. You cared about me. You were my big brother. But I never fully got a chance to tell you or to truly give you your flowers when you were here. I wish we had more time. I'm aware now more than ever that time is short with people you love and admire. I'm gonna miss your honesty, your generosity, your sense of humor and incredible gifts. I'll miss the gift of sharing space with teens. I'm gonna dedicate the rest of my life to live the way you did, with grace, courage, and no regrets. Is this our king? Yes, he is. Rest in power, brother. And that was Michael B. Jordan, very sweet. Um, and the last one, and like probably the lengthiest one I have here is from uh, Ryan Coogler, who of course, like I said, was the writer and director of Black Panther. Uh, here is uh, Mr. Coogler's statement in its entirety. <clears throat> Before sharing my thoughts on the passing of the great Chadwick Boseman, I first offer my condolences to his family and who meant very much to him, to his wife, Simone, especially. I inherited Marvel and the Russo brothers' casting choice of T'Challa. It was something that I will forever be grateful for. The first time I saw Chad's performance as T'Challa, it was in an unfinished cut of Captain America Civil War. Uh, I was deciding whether or not uh, directing Black Panther was the right choice for me. I'll never forget sitting in the uh, editorial suite at the Disney lot and watching his scenes. His first one was with Scarlett Johansson as the Black Widow, and then with uh, South African cinema titan John Connie as T'Challa's father, King T'Chaka. It was at that moment I knew I wanted to make this movie. After Scarlett's character leaves them, John and Chad begin conversing in a language that I've never heard before. It sounded familiar, full of the same clicks and smacks that young African, uh, the brown black children use in the States. The same clicks that we made when we, we were chided for being disrespectful or improper, but it had a musicality to it that sounded ancient, powerful, and African. Uh, uh, in a meeting after watching the film, I asked Nate Moore, one of the producers of the film, about the language. Did you guys make that up? Nate replied, no, that's Tulsa, John Connie's native language. Uh, he and Chad decided to do it in the scene on set, and they just rolled with it. I thought to myself, he, he just learned lines in another language that day. I couldn't conceive how difficult that must have been. Even though I had met Chad, I was already in awe of his capacity as an actor. I learned later that there was much conversation of how T'Challa would sound in the film. The decision to have Tulsa be the official language of Wakanda was solidified by Chad, a native of South Carolina, because he was able to learn the lines in Tulsa, right there on the spot. And that's how it's pronounced, Tulsa, with a click in it. Um, he advocated uh, for his character to speak in an African accent, so he could present T'Challa uh, to audiences as an African king whose dialect had not been conquered by the West. I finally met Chad in person in early 2016, once I signed on to do the film. He snuck past journalists that were that congregated at a press junket I was doing for Creed and met with me in the green room. We talked about our lives, my time playing football in college, his time at Howard University studying to be a director, our collective vision of uh, T'Challa and Wakanda, 
who spoke of the irony of how uh, his former classmate, uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates, is actually writing T'Challa's current arc in Marvel Comics, and how Chad knew uh, Howard's student, Prince Jones, whose murder by a police officer actually inspired uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates' memoir, Between the World and Me. I noticed that Chad was an anomaly. He was calm, assured, constantly studying, but also kind, comforting, had the warmest laugh in the world, and eyes that seemed beyond seen that had seen much beyond his years, but could still sparkle like a child seeing something for the first time. That was the first of many conversations. He was a special person. We spoke often of the heritage of what it meant to be African. When preparing for the film, he would ponder every decision, every choice, not just on how it would reflect on himself, but how these choices would reverberate. They're not ready for this, what we're doing. This the Star Wars. This is Lord of the Rings. But for us, it's bigger. He said this to me when we were struggling to finish a dramatic scene stretching into double overtime. And while, we were, while he was covered in body paint doing his own stunts, or crashing into frigid water or on uh, foam uh, landing pads. I would nod and smile, but I didn't believe him. I had no idea that this, if this film would work. I wasn't sure that I knew what I was doing, but when I looked back and I realized Chad knew something we all didn't know. He was playing the long game, all, of the, uh, all while putting in the work and the work that he did. He would come to auditions for supporting roles, which is not common for lead actors in big budget movies. He was there for several Mbaku auditions. Uh, for Winston Dukes, he turned on a chemistry read. He turned the chemistry read into a wrestling match. He actually, uh, Winston Duke actually broke his bracelet. Uh, Letitia Wright's audition for Shuri, she pierced uh, her ro his royal poise with her signature humor and would bring about a smile on T'Challa's face that was 100% Chad. While filming the movie, we were meeting in an office in my rental house in Atlanta discuss lines and different ways to go into depth for each scene. We talked about costumes, military practices. He said to me, well, Cardinals have to dance during coronations. If they just stand there with spears, what separates them from the Romans? In early drafts of the script, Eric Kilmonger's character would ask T'Challa to be buried in Wakanda. Chad challenged that and asked, what if Killmonger asked to be buried somewhere else? Chad would deeply value his privacy, and I wasn't privy to the details of his illness. After his family released their statement, I realized that he was living with an illness the entire time I knew him. Because he was a caretaker, a leader, and a man of faith, dignity, and pride, he shielded his collaborators from his suffering. He lived a beautiful life, and he made great art. Day after day, year after year, that was who he was. It was an epic fireworks display. I will tell stories of being there for some of the brilliant sparks till the end of my days. What an incredible mark he's left for us. I haven't grieved a loss this acute before. I spent the last year preparing, imagining, writing words for him to say that we were destined to see. It leaves me broken knowing that I won't be able to watch another close-up of him on the monitor again or walk up to him and ask him to do another take. It's more to know that we can have another conversation or FaceTime or text message exchange. He would send vegan, he would send vegetarian recipes and eating regimens to my family and to me to follow during the, the pandemic. He would often check in on me and my loved ones 
even as he dealt with the scourge of cancer. In African cultures, we often refer to loved ones that have passed on to us as ancestors. Sometimes we were genetically related, sometimes you were not. You had the privilege of directing some of the scenes of Chad's, Chad's character, T'Challa, communicating with the ancestors of Wakanda. We were in Atlanta in an abandoned warehouse with blue screens and massive movie lights. The Chad's performance made it all feel real. I think, because, I think it was because from the time I met him, the ancestors spoke through him. It's no secret to me now that he was able to skillfully portray some of our most notable ones. I had no doubt he would live on and continue to bless us with more, but it's with a heavy heart and with a deep sense of deep and a sense of deep gratitude to have ever been in his presence that I reckon that the fact that Chad is now an ancestor. And I know he will watch over us until we meet again. I honestly can't lie to you folks. I actually reading that right now actually brought a tear to my eye. It's like that's uh that's a very powerful thing for a director and writer to say about an artist like that. Uh, and yeah, it does, and now that you realize it, it does make you feel sad knowing that um, he really was only beginning. Like, like I say, he's only been in business. Like, All right, folks, uh, just a quick little explanation here. Unfortunately, we had a technical issue, a computer crashed, and um, unfortunately, JD and I both have to get to our day jobs. Um, so we're going to go ahead and leave it here this week. Uh, we appreciate you tuning in, um, for this, uh, you know, bit of a deep dive into, uh, the awesome career that was Chadwick Boseman, uh, a great talent. And, uh, we really appreciate you guys, uh, jo uh joining us every week. Um, it really does, uh, make a difference for us. I mean, we, we love doing this. We love that you love listening. Um, again, anyone wants to leave a five-star review, uh, no matter what it says, we'll read it out on air. Um, we're really excited to be here and doing this and, uh, thank you all for, for listening. Uh, so for this week, you've been listening to Dropping That Culture with JD and AJ. JD's offline and I'm AJ. We'll catch you next week. Dropping That Culture. Dropping That Culture. Dropping That Culture. Dropping that coast. 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 Dropping that coast.